we have the Shi'ul of Harav Ezra Bik on the Shmon Esri. Last week, we began to analyze the first bracha of Shmon Esri, Berkat Avot. Uh, to recapitulate shortly, what I pointed out was that Berkat Avot is called Avot because it is to some extent actually about the Avot, not merely about Elohim, who is called Elokei Avot. In what sense? In the sense that the God to whom we're davening should be, at least in the beginning, the first and basic ground of our conception of God to whom we pray should be the God of the Avot, the God who, which means the God who the Avot discovered. The Avot are Avot because they are first. They are originators, they are explorers, they are discoverers, and not merely followers of tradition. The paradox was that we dive in that way because we are following the tradition. We are the children of the Avot, and therefore we should be like the Avot. And therefore we have a tradition of being non-traditional. We have a tradition of discovering our own relationship with God. My second point was, it's, it actually corresponds with, the same, with that point, is that it's even more extreme. The use of certain language in the first bracha is indicative of the fact that you don't actually have to be Jewish at all to daven. The language is the language of a non-Jew, Malkitzedek. Because the Avot also weren't Jews, at least in this system. They weren't Jews technically at all. They were first. They had no tradition. And, and they weren't Jews in the sense that they were following Jewish tradition. They weren't following Jewish law. They were inventing tefillah. And they weren't davening because Jews davening, Jews davening because the Avot davened. My last point was, why does the bracha end Magen Avraham and not Magen Avot? And the Medrash says that God promised Avraham, Bracha chotmim velo behem, only you, be'ei bracha, Magen Avraham. So I gave a simple answer. The simple answer was that, uh, well, if the bracha is about initiation, primacy, rishoniyut, being first, then Avam is first to the first. Each Av is the first, since the Avot, each one contributes. That's why he's called an Av. He's, why he's called a father, and not a son of his father. Each one was a father in some sense. But Avam was the, was the father of a fatherhood. So we mention his name in the end. I think there should be a better answer, and I'd like to stop from that point and then explain certain other phases in in the first Bacha, which we haven't addressed yet. In fact, the conclusion of the Bacha is not Baruch Atah Hashem Elokei Avraham, as you might have expected, since the mention of the Avot is Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzhak, Elokei Yaakov, as Bechachotmim, Elokei Avraham. No, it's Magen Avraham. What does the term Magen Avraham mean? The protector of Avraham. Like many phases in Shemun Esrei, and we should always assume all of them until we find that it's not true, and our investigation of the sources of Shemun Esrei means going back to Tanakh, the phase Magen Avraham is in fact... Uh, found in Tanakh, it's found in Pashat Lechelcha, it's found in the same context that I mentioned beforehand, the conversation of Avraham and Malki Tzedek. Baruch Avraham v'kel al-yon, Hashem migain tzarecha biyadecha. Migain tzarecha biyadecha is an unusual phrase. We think that the word migain means to protect, but if it's migain tzarecha biyadecha, it means he crushed. He protected you by making them go away. But in fact, the phase is actually found a few psukim later in the explicit form of Svanish Manasur, and I think that's the that's the, the the true source. It's influenced by this first source I mentioned, but the true source, the technical source, is a possibility that appears a little bit later, immediately after the war of Avraham with the uh, four Malachim, with the four kings. 
God appears to Avraham and says, Al tira Avraham anochi magen lecha schacha habemod. God says to Avraham, do not fear Avraham, I will protect you. Magen, I am your magen. Your reward is very great. Now, the Medrash asks a very simple question. Why does God appear now to Abraham and say, do not be afraid? Abraham has just concluded a war, a battle. Before the war began, God didn't come to him and say to him, don't be afraid. In fact, God didn't even tell him to go to battle. He went on his own. When it's all over, and Abraham is victorious, and he's returned to Eretz Yisrael, and he's met Melchizedek, and received the Bachan, he's met the king of Sodom, and, and made his deal with him. Now, God says to him, do not be afraid. What was he afraid of? The Midrash gives a number of answers. And the answers themselves are not as much as important as the underlying understanding the Midrash has. Because the Midrash uses a word about Avraham in giving the answer, which is quite unusual. In fact, it doesn't appear anywhere else except in the context of Avraham. As far as I know, maybe one other place, but of the five places where it appears in all rabbinic literature, based on... Uh, my, uh, it's not that I know all rabbinic literature by heart, but based on the Barilan CD Responsor Project, four are found by Avraham. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, it's four out of four. If I'm right, then it's four out of five. The word is mitpachet. This is the answer to the Midrash. Why did God say to Avraham Avinu, al Avraham, lefi shaya Avinu Avraham mitpached. Avraham was mitpached. The root is pachad, fear, but not the usual verb form fear, but mitpached, a reflexive form of the word pached. Why was he being mitpached? And then there are three different answers. One is that he was afraid, or he feared, or he was mitpached from the fact that maybe of all the people he killed in this war, maybe one or two of them were actually tzaddikim, and he shouldn't have killed them. And two, he was apprehensive that perhaps the people he killed, some of them might have children, the children would eventually come back and revenge. Take revenge on Abraham. And third, he was apprehensive that uh, maybe, since a great miracle had taken place and he succeeded in, in, in destroying the greatest military force in the Middle East, perhaps he had used up all his merit, all of God's grace that he deserved, that, 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 that was uh, granted to him, and nothing would be left for him for the world to come. So God said to him, and each time he gave him an answer which was appropriate in the Medrash, don't be afraid of this, don't be afraid of that, don't be afraid of that. In the end, Anochim Agenra. My question is, what does the word mitpached mean? You can't look it up in a dictionary. The word does not actually exist in Hebrew. It's a word that Chazal made up to describe Avam Avinu. And in fact, it's found in another place as well, about Avam Avinu. Here, it's three different opinions about the same Pasuk. The word repeats itself. Somewhat earlier in the Medrash Rabbah, it was without any particular context, the Medrash says, Shaya avinu Avraham mitpached, he was anxious and he said to God, you know, what about all the sins, all the idolatry that I committed before I discovered God? I assume this Medrash believes that Avraham Avinu was not three years old when he discovered God, it would be a little bit extreme. Tend to be worried about the sins he committed before he was three, but he was 48, which is the second opinion in the, in the Midrash. And God says to him, don't be afraid. Uh, your, your youth, your childhood is like the dew. Sun comes out and just evaporates. So too all your sins just evaporate. Okay, I'm not interested in the answer. I'm interested in what does the word mitpached mean. 
in Hebrew, the hitpa'el form is considered to be reflexive. Usually means I do it to myself. But not always. What's the difference between pachad and hitpachtut? It's clear to me that pachad, fear, is fear of a particular uh, enemy or force or danger. If Avraham Avinu had mifached, if he had been afraid before the war, I would have understood it. I would have been afraid. Afterwards, there is no enemy. What do we say? What would we say today about somebody who came and said, I just want a war, but I can't sleep at night because I'm worried maybe, maybe one of the 10,000 people I killed might have been a tzaddik and, and, and it wasn't right. Or maybe they have children who when they grow up will come back and attack me. Who knows what will happen then? We would say he has a psychological problem. The answer to him wouldn't be to give him a bigger gun or, or, or to tell him to call the police. We would tell him to call a psychologist. In other words, mitpached means not fear, but anxiety. That's, that is the word. In modern English, angst. Avraham Avinu is suffering from anxiety. He's worried. And I think the fact that there are three opinions in the Midrash really tells us the truth. It could be three, it could be four, it could be five, it could be six. The, the particulars don't even matter. Avraham Avinu was simply anxious in general, which is why there's another use of this phrase in a totally different context. Avraham Avinu, in his lifetime, was worried about every possible imaginable thing, including things which most of us wouldn't even take seriously. He was naturally a worry what? Naturally an anxious individual. Why do Chazal think that that is Avraham Avinu's personality? It says, this one Pasuk says, al Abraham, do not be afraid. Apparently he was afraid. But apparently Chazal thought that this was something that really distinguishes him and isn't true about other people. Let me mention, for instance, that when God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, al do not be afraid. When? Before, before, before the war with Og Melech Abashan, nobody seeks to explain it in any particular manner. He was going to war with a great giant and a mighty army, so he was afraid. And God told him, don't be afraid. Chazal, they say, why was he afraid? He wasn't afraid before, and he wasn't afraid of Sichon, so they say why he was especially afraid of Og. But that's fear. No one else is mitpached. Like Avraham Avinu was mitpached. And I think the answer is clear. Why was Avraham Avinu anxious and Yitzhak and Yaakov and surely Moshe Ba'al not? The answer is because Avraham Avinu was literally, and in the most extreme manner, the first. And not just the first to discover God. He was the first to discover God without having God help him discover God. Everything Avraham Avinu did, he had no way of knowing if it was right or wrong other than his innate intelligence and sense of morality and sense of divinity and understanding of the right. No tradition, no Torah, generally speaking, no divine command. I mean, Usually there are no divine commands, for instance, in the war with the four Malachim, but even when there are, it's something like, leave your household, leave everything that you know which gives you any sense of security, and go to a land which I will show you eventually. doesn't tell him where to go. And in fact, he never tells him where to go in the Pesukim. There's a Medrash that tries to figure out how did Avraham know when he got to the right place, because God doesn't say, this is the place. So Avraham was set out on a journey to look for Eretz Israel. How did he know when he got there? The Medrash gives answers, how we know, but, but it, the answer the Medrash gives is he figured it out. Not that he saw a divine sign. He didn't see a fire. He didn't see anything special happen. He said, we got there, and he figured this was the right place. And it took place in the Akedah. God said, go to a mountain, which I will tell you about later. 
Usually they didn't tell him that. Avamayu did it. Then God said to him, you did the right thing. The Medrash expands on this quite a great deal more than the Pesukim. And, and the Medrash has a whole line of occasions where Avamavino had to do something and only afterwards did God tell him, you were right. Avamavino lives in a vacuum. He lives, he's the one Jew in a non-Jewish environment. The one Oved Hashem in the land of idolatry. And not because he's the last of the tradition, but he's the first of the tradition. And Chazal understood that psychologically that's not going to be easy. Avraham Avinu never knows for sure what lies beyond the corner because he's never been beyond that corner before. He's a stranger in a strange land. He's an explorer in the unknown. And, and every step he takes, it might be quicksand. And he tries to figure out the best way to go. And so, yes, he is, in fact, plagued in a very simple manner. The Chazal really think he has a psychological problem. I think it's a good psychological problem. A psychological problem that he is extremely anxious. Magain Avraham is the answer to that fear. God says to him, reassures him, don't worry. You have no one to rely on, including, you can't rely on what I've told you, but you can rely on me. And I think that's the choice of the word Magain. Magain means protector, but I think the correct translation here is shield. In, in Hebrew, the mag, uh, a shield is called magen, because it shields, because it protects. The difference between offensive and defensive weapons is, if you have a good enough shield, you won't even feel, you won't even know, to take it to a bit of an extreme extent, that someone is firing at you. If God shields Amamavino, then he won't even have to, he won't even have to worry about what's out there. Because they can't even come close to him. It's not that if you are in trouble, as according to Nurash, he was in his earliest, earliest career, when he was thrown into the fiery furnace. By Nimrod, God had to pluck him out. And God says to him, now, that won't happen again. I protect you. The dark surroundings, the jungle which I traverse, the unknown desert, the depths of the sea, I don't, I don't even see them because I'm surrounded by the shield of God. That's the meaning of v'chachot mim v'lovahem. Avam Avinu, it's the same thing I said last week, but I'm saying it more extreme. Avinu was first of the first. Because he was first of the first, it's not just a relative difference. Avam Avinu invented being first and therefore, he is especially in need of Magen, Avraham. He's especially in need that his God should be he who is your only source of security in a totally unsecure world. And as I explained in the very first year, that's an essential sentiment, an essential emotion, an essential understanding of one who davens. Ein lanu ela avinu We have no one else in the world other than God and that's why we turn to Him. We are totally dependent. There's nothing we can rely on other than God and that's why we, that's why we daven. That's why we turn to God. And that sense is the sense of Avraham turning to God and davening because God was Magen Avraham. 
God is He who is the only thing between Avraham and endless, overwhelming insecurity, anxiety, and fear. And that's why that's the first Bachach Each of the Avot contributed an essential understanding, an essential component of the man-Jew relationship. And we, we drew on all three when we dive in. And we drew on the very fact that they contributed to, to help to mold our own unique relationship with God. That's all true. But in the end, bottom line, the bracha will conclude with you and not with the other avod. Because in the end, the most encompassing conception of God, all the other things, God as being chesed, God as being uh, mercy, God as being power, God as being uh, truth, all those things are encompassed by one overwhelming God. God is He who, whatever He is, protects, protects me when I walk in the darkness, when I walk in this, in this what otherwise would be a terrifying world. That's Magen Avraham. Okay, so we've concluded... And this is the first part I wanted to say. The basic structure of this bracha is about the lone, primary, initiating individual who discovers God. And that's the God to whom we turn. In the light of this, we can understand some of the other things that I found in this bracha and the time that's left, which isn't a lot. I will quickly elucidate some of the other phases in this, in this, in this bracha. Bracha begins... We already explained it. Three attributes of God. Great, mighty, and awesome. The Gemara explains that at the time, the years of the destruction of the Temple of the Churban, so it quotes Nevim, it quotes Yumiyah, it quotes Yecheskel, who didn't say all three phases. In, in some other tefillah that's found in the in the Navi. And the Gemara says they, they decided they couldn't use these phrases because where is his greatness? Where is his might? Where is his awesomeness? The temple is burning. His kingdom is destroyed and he's not able to do anything. He doesn't do anything. Not that the prophets thought that God was not great. But the Gemara says they couldn't lie, meaning in order to say something, you have to feel it's truth, not just know in your head that it's true. And in the absence of any uh, manifestation, disclosure of God's might, greatness, and awe, they still believed it, but they didn't say it. But then, Anshek Nesluda returned the face. Why they said, exactly, if the enemy is burning the temple and dancing on its wounds and God is silent and doesn't respond, His holy temple, His holy house, that shows His might. That's His greatness. That's His awe. Interesting answer. I'm not interested in the answer right now. It's an answer which requires a, a, a great deal of swallowing and understanding. What I'm interested in is what's the discussion about? In the end, what are we saying here? What is the Meaning, the original meaning, the lack of meaning in the period when it was censored, and the restored meaning because of a particular 
unusual pill-pull of an explanation as to why you can't say it. But in the end, what does it mean? Greatness, might, and awe? The answer is God's revealed presence in the world. The might of God, when, when we, God is always present. If I walk in the street and, and the sun is shining or if it's raining, that's God's hand. But it's not God's greatness because you don't feel it. When the, when, the, when the hurricane strikes, then you feel God's greatness. The prophets in the world that they lived in, the world of destruction, had trouble seeing God. God was not being revealed. The first said, we're not going to mention it. And the Ashaq Nazarda explained how you can see God's greatness even, you can really see it. God is revealed. There's revelation. There's the presence of God, not in the usual sense. So, I think the answer is, why are these phrases mentioned in Shemon Because when you pray, you're in the presence of God. There's a tremendous difference between sending God letters, email, telegrams, and speaking to him. When you Shmonesri is an opportunity to have, let me use a medieval term, it's an audience with God. It's an interview, it's a it's a it's a conversation. It's not just we're sending him messages. You could send messages to the hidden God, but you can only dive in to the revealed God. And therefore we say Hakel someone I'm praying now to someone whose presence is it's almost forcing itself on me. He's, he's palpably present in the room. And then you can daven. Because davening is personal on that level. But let's continue. I mentioned last week, is a phase of Malkit Tzedek. is the same thing. But, we've changed the phase. In the middle of that quote, we added another term. In the middle of it, between Kel Elyon and Konei HaKol, we say, Gomer Chasadim Tovim. He, um, I'm going to translate it loosely, he, he does, he commits acts of great, of great kindness. Now the word Gomel is an unusual word. Normally, Ligmol means to repay, to pay back. If you owe money, you gomel, or the famous phrase in, in Chazal, gomel ra'atachat tova. Someone did me a favor, and I gomel lo evil in place of his good. Ligmol is to return, to pay back. So what is gomel chasadim tovim? Chesed, the great acts of kindness, the great acts of mercy, the great acts of grace which God does, He's not paying anyone back. In fact, I assume... I won't prove this now that the chasadim tovim which God does is the very creation of the world. As Chazal said, Olam Koran the Pasuk, Olam Chesed Yibaneh. The creation of the world is the ultimate act of Chesed because it wasn't paying back to anybody. The world didn't exist yet. So why does it say Gomel? We have no choice. Gomel means to to give anything, even if it's not in the context of paying back. And I think that no. I think what Chazal was saying was when Malkit Tzedek said Kel Elyon Kel Elyon he was expressing praise of God, thanks for God. They just been a great war. He was very impressed. And he said, I uh, want to praise God as a way of thanking Him. Hodaya, 
for the fact that he saved Abraham, saved the, the kings of Canaan. Praise be God. When I say thanks to God now, this is the beginning of Shemaseh, not the end of Shemaseh. There's no thank him for yet. We're explaining who God is. And the phrase Gomer Chasadim Tovim in a very subtle way changes the meaning of Kel Elyon Kolnei Shemayim Ba'aretz. The Most High God who created the world, that's the Chesed, all right? Kolnei Shemayim Ba'aretz doesn't mean owner of the world, of, of, of the heavens and earth, but it means creator of the heaven and earth. But God created the heaven and earth not because He owed us anything, but it was similar to paying back because He obligated Himself. God didn't create the world on a whim. He committed Himself to maintaining the world. He committed Himself to our welfare. That doesn't give me the right to demand it. It's still chesed. It's not that because He's gomel, He's paying back, therefore I can sue Him. But it's trying to tell us it's a subtle connection. God created the world pure chesed, chasadim tovim, pure grace, pure beneficence, pure kindness. But his kindness includes the fact that he committed himself. That's the, in fact, the ultimate kindness of love. He didn't just create the world. He committed himself out of kindness, out of pure, un, 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 unforced, unowed kindness to maintain the world. And that's why we don't. Because otherwise you're just asking and hoping. Here you're, you're coming to ask because God said you can ask for me. Because that's my job. My job is to maintain to maintain the world. That's Gomer Chasidim Tovim. Now the Berachat changes directions. Till now, what I said last week is true. It's a guy who's davening. It's a guy who's the son of Ami Yitzchak Yaakov, who, who also goyim. But now we change. He remembers the kindness of the forefathers, and I add the word therefore. It's obvious. Umevi Goel, and therefore. He brings redemption to the children. What does it mean that he remembers the kindness of the forefathers? What is the kindness of the forefathers? There's a reference to the concept in Chazal called Schutavot. To a great extent, we benefit by being children of he to whom God still owes things, or still wants to owe things, or still pays things out to him. Schutavot, the merit of the forefathers, helps the children. But what was the merit of the forefathers? You can say, well, they, they did a lot of mitzvot. It doesn't say, Zocher mitzvot avod. Zocher, uh, God remembers the good acts. He remembers the chaste avod. What was the chesed of the avod? The chesed of the avod was, what, what did they do that was chesed? I don't think it means that they gave money to tzedakah, they gave money to poor uh, Bedouin in the neighborhood. The ultimate kindness, the ultimate acts of beneficence, which the forefathers did was for God. They were the bearers of God's name in the world. They returned God to the world. A famous medrash in the beginning of Lech Lecha. Achot lanu kitana v'shadayim ein in she'rashirim. We have a little sister. Achot. Ze Avraham she'icha et ha'kem. It's a drush. The word achot, meaning sister, could be seen as coming from the root he who mends. Avraham Avinu was called the little mender, because he repaired the tear, the, 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 the tear, he repaired the, the, the rift. Which rift? Between God and the world. God wasn't in the world before Avraham He took off. The world was no, had no place for him, because God doesn't impose himself on the world. Someone has to 
bear God's presence in the world and there was nobody. So God was in the heavens. Avraham Avinu brought God back down to the world. And that act is, I think, the ultimate chesed. God remembers that his presence in the world was because of what the forefathers did. It's much more than just paying you back for something. God wants to be in the world. The children, why does God redeem the children who themselves are not as good as the forefathers? Because this is still true. We still bear God's name. This already is a Jewish tefillah. Now you're not you're not a non-Jew. Now you're a Jewish tefillah. The purpose of the Jewish people is to maintain God's name in the world. Hashem who is his Magen Avraham, he's also Elokei Israel. He's also Elokeinu Elokei Avoteinu. God's name in the world is because the Jews bear his name. As the Pasuk continues by Ram Avinu, when he first got to Eretz Yisrael, he built a altar, Vayikra B'Shem Hashem, he called it God's name. What does that mean? Vashi quotes, Yikra B'Shem Hashem B'Fir He put God's name into the world. He made other people call him God's name. He, he, the name didn't exist before. Before Avinu opened his mouth and got other people to open their mouths. So that's Zohar Chastayavot. And therefore, yeah, God is bound to us because we continue in our perhaps not completely perfect manner to, to bear God's name. The very fact that I'm davening now, that I'm turning to God, is, is a foundation for God's presence in the world. People still daven to God, therefore God is in the world. redemption, One last word. Ba'ahava. God does it ba'ahava, with love. What does it mean here? What does it mean love? So I will conclude with a avot I once heard from the Rav, my master, Rav Yosef, my Yosef, Dov Alevi Salavei, in a different context altogether. In Rosh Hashanah Davening, before you begin the section called Zichronot, the last line of the introduction says, Vagamet Noach ba'ahava zachata. And you remembered Noah with love. And you brought him into the ark when the rain of the flood began. What does it mean, love? The Rav answered, there are two reasons why God saved Noach. One is because God's plan for the world did not involve total destruction and starting all over again like in Bereshit. It involved tremendous destruction but enough would be left to start the world again. That's why there were two of every animal. Because God didn't want to create the giraffe from scratch. You'll continue from the previous giraffe. You need at least two. And kangaroos and and etc. etc. For that you also need two people. At least two people. It's true. You don't need eight people. As, as God said, but you need at least two of the proper age where they can have more children. So that's one reason why God had to save two people. Would it make a difference particularly which two people? How did we choose the two giraffes? Didn't make that much of a difference. Aside from that, Noach was saved because Noach Hashem and Noach found favor in the eyes of God. That second thing is the Bi'ava. God has plans for the world but he also has an individual relationship with each and every person. In the case of Noach, they both corresponded. Noach was the person who would maintain the global plan of saving humanity. And also he was worthy. Of, God liked him. God, God chose him because he, he needed to be saved because he was worthy of being saved. For his name, which we bear, we will be redeemed. But Biava, it's not merely that God has a global plan that since the Jews have this role of supporting God's name in the world so he'll take care of them. 
You need, you need an army. You need, uh, someone has to fill the role. And we fulfill the role. To some extent. But aside from that, yes, there's also Ba'ava. It's the same thing. It's the same role. But it's not merely a pragmatic or political decision on God's part. Global politics on God's part. It's also an individual. Yes, and in fact, yes, God does love the children because they were children of he whom he bound himself to, of Amitzah and that love extends. And in the end, we dive into God, not merely because we fit into his plan, but because we have this personal relationship with him. Baruch Hashem, Magen Avraham. Next week, we will begin the next bracha, the second bracha of Shemoneseh.